0: This week's episode of Catnip Podcast is sponsored by Members Only Worldwide. Members Only is a multimedia production company that specializes in curating events, community outreach projects, as well as developing creatives into leaders in our community this holiday season we are having a sale on all hoodies follow at members only inc on instagram that's members only with a z and use discount code catnip at checkout thank you and enjoy this week's episode Thank you, Misty, Blue Day, for being a part of the catnip episode this week. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Like, first of all, you're an entrepreneur, you're a mother, you are a writer, you're a health, a mental health advocate, like you really show up for your community and you show out like a hundred percent. So I just want to, one, thank you for allowing you to, like, sharing your time with me and everything. And I want to share your voice and your story with my community. I appreciate that. Yeah, so I just have, like, so much uh, love for writers. And I wanted to ask you, like, what was that when did you know for sure that you loved writing and what was your first poem you ever wrote? Oh my first
1: poem. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've always wanted to be a writer. I actually have my first book I made. I was in third grade I believe. It was a piece of cardboard and we wrapped it in like wallpaper and we had glued in the papers and I wrote like this cute little third grader book. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think growing up, like, as a young teenager, I started writing a lot. I I really loved poetry. Um, I would use writing more as, like, a tool for, I guess, unpacking my emotions and processing them. Um, So I didn't really think of it, like, as much at the time. It was just something I did. Um, And it's funny because, like, even just a few years back talking about journaling I was like oh I've never journaled and I'm like I was really wrong because I actually that's all I've ever done is journal I just didn't journal in like the I guess the typical way like it it was you know I'd scratch down words here and there like notepads post-it notes in my phone and then over time I just had this like big collection
0: wow (laughs) and Uh, now, like this big collection has like manifested into Garden of Blue. Yeah. So, like, shout out to you for writing this memoir of yourself. Thank you. And what was that process like for you?
1: Um, well, it it really feels like my whole life. Um, there is actually a poem in there that I wrote when I was fifteen. Um, I took a creative writing class in high school, and I loved it. Um, there's actually another poem in there, the pacemaker poem, actually uh and Sunday's best um that I wrote just last year if the, if if it's even been a year <laughs> um and I was in another writing class for school and it was like a prompt and I really love the prompts because it helps like pull out creativity but um yeah, it, it was you know over the years I had written here and there, and I just made sure to keep that collection, um, which was hard because digitally, like, a lot of it did go missing because, um, back in the day with the floppy disks, (laughs) those are gone, um, but I was able to pull a lot of stuff, um, from social media and, like, previous, like, blogging, so, like, blogging now, um, is, you know, is different from when it was back then like I don't know you're probably way too young to remember but there is something called live journal and dead journal um it it was like an online blogging thing when I was like a teenager Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was able to save like a lot of that kind of stuff um but it's interesting because there was a lot of writing that was about my dad and it had like a whole different tone um I had a Really different outlook on that part of my life, and then when he he passed away last year, actually it's almost February will be two years, and um, I've done a lot of healing since then. So when I was going through my writing and trying to organize it into this book, I did have to go back and sort of like edit my past because my outlook had changed so much. So there were parts like with that where I remember saying things like he was a monster and he ruined my life and like I know that that's not true um we can't we don't have to give someone that power to ruin our lives and I chose not to um I chose to look at it instead that he was a victim of his circumstances growing up in an era where mental health wasn't really recognized or dealt with Mm -hmm. um and um yeah, so it was a, it was interesting to see, like, the growing um, over the past couple of years and how I was able to see that. And I did note that in the book. Like, I did say, like, I did have to change this part a little bit because of, I changed my perspective. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of figured out a way to piece together all of these entries and a lot of new stuff, too. Um, there were pieces I wrote up right up until the deadline because um, my book was done and finished and then I actually added another chapter in that editing process and formatting process. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was (laughs) a lot, a long time. So it feels good to have that finish, like Mm -hmm. to have done that because I never thought I would.
0: Yeah, from like third grade, from having the cardboard yeah. book to now, like sharing and like people get to participate with yeah. your work. And I love what you said about like how you shift your perspective because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that just shows you, you grew. you've You've been growing, you know? Yeah, and a lot of that, I've been doing a lot of
1: self-healing and that's, a lot of that's in my book too. I wanted to share that whole process because, you know, I've dealt with, um, I've dealt with narcissists in my life. There's a chapter on narcissists. I've dealt with childhood trauma, religious trauma, uh, medical trauma, life of chronic illness, open heart surgery, cancer, um, emotionally abusive relationships. Um, you know, I haven't drank alcohol in almost five years now. So like, I, I have a lot of yeah so like you know I felt like for a long time I always felt like it was me against the world and you know why me and I was really angry with being dealt a life of chronic illness and just having one thing after another after another and um really like it was life-changing to again shift from that perspective and instead of being like you know poor me why me It changed to I need to give myself some purpose. Like, there has to be purpose in all of this. Mm -hmm. And I have survived a lot. I have conquered a lot. I've been resilient and, you know, strong, not by choice, but because I have to. And um, I felt like it would kind of be a shame and a waste to not share that, to not help other people um, with what I've learned. And I kind of think of it instead now, like taking one for the team. Like, I, I took all this for you guys, and I'm going to share to help guide people to, like, get through these kind of things. And and that's what's been really rewarding with my book is having people and even just strangers reach out to me saying, like, wow, I can't believe this. And this chapter helped me so much with this. and um I've even had close friends who are like, I had no idea a lot of this stuff about you. (laughs) So it's cool to, like, to see that paying off, to see, like, by opening up and being vulnerable and sharing things I never necessarily wanted to share but felt like I should, and seeing that pay off by, like, helping people. And that kind of gives me purpose. And that, you know, is a great way, I think, to deal with the what you're handed in life if it's not necessarily yeah. ideal
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing um how like your purpose how has your purpose shifted into like what you create with wilding apothecary and oh yeah that's a good question <laughs>
1: um so with Wilding apothecary that's been. I think it's almost five years. March will be five years. Um, I started that originally because my health was at its worst. I actually had lost like 40 or 50 pounds without trying. Just like I just I was malnourished. I wasn't absorbing things. I have a lot of health issues, as I was saying, and. Um, occasionally I'll have like a specific part of my body that will just flare up sometimes. And, um, I was having a lot of gastrointestinal issues and heart issues and nothing was working. So, um, I lost all this weight. I was scared for my life. It was right before I got my pacemaker. So I was dealing with trying to get doctors to listen to me. So I was having these like potentially fatal arrhythmias and medical trauma. And again, with losing weight, you know like I remember being in the ER and seeing somebody I knew and they had come up to me and they're like you need to eat a cheeseburger (laughs) and I'm like I'm in the ER like what what do you think I'm here for um and even the opposite of that having people compliment me and like you look so good and I'm like I'm not well (laughs) and it and it hurts um so that's like a whole other thing but uh yeah i um so yeah back to wilding apothecary i was starting to crave like products that were more organic and clean and less with toxic chemicals and i really wanted to like i had to do everything i could basically to save my life because the doctors couldn't figure it out yet um so I was eating super clean. I, you know, was just being really aware of what I was putting in my body. And um, I loved tea, growing up with tea, and I started creating all these blends because I wanted these teas that I couldn't find. <laughs> and then, um, I was making myself these smoothies to help, like, nurse myself back to health, mm-hmm. and they, um, they really helped a lot, but in doing that, I had to buy, like, so many, um, products, so I'd have, like, a pound of maca root, and a pound of ashwagandha root, and, like, all kind, like, it, my kitchen was getting crazy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then, you know, like, I was kind of documenting my story with that, and, getting healthier and, you know, because I had to, like, drink my nutrients at that time, and it really, like, helped me a lot, and um, people would ask, like, oh, what are you doing, what do you put in those smoothies that you're drinking all the time, Mm -hmm. and because I couldn't find the mixes that didn't, that weren't, like, with artificial sweeteners or with, like, so much artificial stuff, that's why I made it, and so I was like, well, I might as well make this accessible for other people and sell this because... I have so much, and I'm not going to tell people to have to go out and buy, like, $100 in powders. And then mix it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and it just became this thing, and I just... I love it. It's really something fun and I get to be creative and I enjoy it and they're things that I use and I get to share these things that make me feel good with other people mm-hmm. and it's just something that I really love and it's an awesome outlet.
0: It's, it's amazing. I uh, tried the Monster Queen tea oh, cool. right before Shark Week yes. happened so it was like perfect time. It helped me so much. Yeah, like, awesome. It eased like, so much tension good. and for those who don't know, Shark Week is that period. Week. <laughs> so, yes yeah. and I, I
1: have CBD in it. I have um, red, uh, raspberry leaf tea which is great for that sort of thing. A lot of things for like inflammation just to help you feel better um, and that was something I used to have to deal with a lot. And So like just all of my knowledge over the years and taking like master herbalist classes and I'm currently in school now too. I'm technically pre-med. I'm almost done with my bachelor's in biomedical science yes, with a graduation. concentration of biotechnology so women and stem yes. and um so I'm learning a lot and mm-hmm. I love to learn and
0: yeah so does it um does the bio biochem right mm-hmm. does Yeah, it's all kind of the same family.
1: Biomedical science, but that actually includes biochemistry, biostatistics, biotechnology, all that kind of thing. Molecular
0: biology. What's your, like, plans for that? That is a good question. (laughs) I don't know. I am honestly, like, so
1: I... I've been doing hair for, like, over 10 years, mm-hmm. and I love it, but, like, you don't get benefits. There's no health benefits. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's loud, everyone listening. Mm-hmm. We're in downtown Cocoa Village, and yeah. it's hopping tonight. <laughs> it is hopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I kind of wanted to get out of that field. Like, I love it so much because it. I feel like a like a therapist almost like people talk to me and they open up and i help people and i make them feel good and like my clients are like family Mm -hmm. and friends and loved ones and um but you know during all of this time with my health issues um and when i was talking about my health being at its worst it was really hard um on my body and just i wasn't taking care of me I, i would overbook myself and not drink water all day and that was a big factor in that.
0: And then yeah. on top of that, your clients are telling you their problems. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and again, I love it, but I it was just time. It's time to switch it up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've been doing it over 10 years, and I just want to do something else. And having to research so much, because I have a rare disorder, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, I had to help get myself diagnosed by you know, advocating for myself and um, finally, like, seeing a geneticist and getting diagnosed just only a couple years ago um, with something that's affected me my whole life on, like, you know, severe levels Mm -hmm. and just being dismissed. And so because of that, I learned so much. I had to research. I had to rule out things. I had to beg doctors to test me for things. (laughs) Um, And so I learned a lot. And... I just going back to school part of it is like I look at it as activism Mm -hmm. like you know learn I want to learn being someone who was dismissed my whole life by doctors from since being a child to even being a grown woman Mm -hmm. um, I wanted that knowledge and I didn't want to be looked down at like a patient who didn't know what they were talking about and so going to school was Therapeutic for me because like learning for me was um, Therapeutic and it's inspiring for me with my advocacy work um, And it's just cool It's cool to be able to like now sit in front of a doctor when they try to dismiss me and and know My stuff and then
0: you'd be like "Uh ah like Mm -hmm. I know
1: my research. Oh, yeah Yeah, recently I I had a doctor who um was excited to like see me because he was like, oh, I know someone who has what you have. Mm -hmm. And he was like, excited and asking me all these questions and I was like actually I just wrote a a research paper on that for my undergrad if you want me to email it to you, he's like yes so it's like it's cool to be able to do that now and like um, I'm excited about my future because I want to publish research and I want to share more information like I want to talk about medical bias and like with women people of color like gender equality like in healthcare, and those issues that aren't being discussed you know that I've had to deal with and that many other people have to deal with, and um, when I first was like dabbling and going back to school and not sure what I was doing, um, I took the intro to healthcare class, and I'll never forget, like the professor said, he was like, we're all retiring, we're all going to be out of here, all of us old people, and he was like, it's up to you guys, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, you got to be the change. And we can't just talk about it, like, you have to do something, mm-hmm. someone's got to do something. And I was like, He's right, I've got to do something, and that was like part of my purpose. Like, I, I didn't want to just sit there and complain about how I was treated, I wanted to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, get like emotional, I'm like, oh, but um, yeah, I wanted to do something about it, so I am. I you. <laughs> so, you know, I'll be finishing my bachelor's and then. I'll unfortunately be taking a break for open-heart surgery. And then after that, um, while I recover, because it'll be like a three- to six-month recovery, mm-hmm. I'm going to write my second book, which is going to be called... Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, go for it's it. It's called Unfucking the Healthcare System, okay, which I'll cool. be doing a lot of collection of different uh, research, uh, talking about the medical bias, like I was saying, and mm-hmm. um, just things that aren't really done that should be, and... Um, So I'll be working on that book, and then when I'm hopefully healthy enough to go back to school, I'd like to possibly do the PhD route, or um, it'd be another two years for my master's to become like a physician's assistant, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah,
0: you have like a lot of doors opening. Yeah, and I'm I'm really like,
1: another thing I've learned is um, I get really hung up on Having that plan and going with it. Mm -hmm. And because of my health, I get derailed all the time. Well, life, you know. And I get really hard on myself about that. So, like, something I've been working on is to not do that. I'm trying to, like, go with the flow. So, like, if I do PhD route or physician's assistant route, whatever if not if maybe I'll open a tea bar yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or maybe I'll That'd get an cool. RV and be like a mentor and t- travel and teach classes yeah I don't know so we'll see <laughs> and I'm I'm okay with that I'm, I'm excited about that so we'll see what happens well,
0: I'm <laughs> excited for unfucking the medical yes yeah.
1: it'll be a little asterisk though oh okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: but you know I can't I gotta pronounce it um Yeah, I'm excited, too, um, because my last semester is next semester. I'll graduate in May, and I'm going to do, like, my official undergrad research, which has to be, like, approved through the board. Mm -hmm. So it'll be, like, legit. I could publish research. Um, And I'm going to try to do, like, as big as I can, like, a, a survey about, like, medical trauma, misdiagnosis, medical bias, um, and all of that. Cause like one of my favorite studies is a study in 2014, which was a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one in 20 people are misdiagnosed in the U S um, which is crazy. Yeah. And that's something I can't get out of my head. So I want to try to get more information on that. Um, because like that shouldn't be okay. Like that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to do like a big portion of it will be about that and then um, I want to do a section on like ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, in my opinion, screened well. Ninety percent of people who have ovarian cancer, it is discovered too late. Ninety percent. Wow. Um, so, you know, my whole thing is like we have our mammograms starting at a baseline at 37 and start every year at 40. Why won't they just when they do ultrasound with the mammograms now? why can't they just do the ovaries and right. check? Because there's no other way. There's no decent screening. Um, and then a lot will be about genetic testing and um, just vitamin deficiencies, which are I feel like are not done enough. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, they don't feel well. They go to the doctors and they get like their regular metabolic panel electrolytes and you know check their iron and all of that stuff. but they hardly ever check for vitamin deficiencies. Wow. And like vitamin D is really important and I feel like that should be checked a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, cause we're in Florida, we think like, oh, we're in the sunshine state, we get plenty mm-hmm. of vitamin D. Which isn't true. That can be an absorption issue, and it's common to be low. It can actually cause infertility. It can cause poor immune system, um, which can lead to cancer. It can cause depression, hair loss, hair breakage, uh, hair breakage, like um, fibromyalgia, which is like chronic
0: pain. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of things it can cause. Yeah. So it's like you think you're absorbing it when really there could be something else, yeah. like throwing that absorption off.
1: Yeah, and that's another
0: thing. <clears throat> it's like a, a way to
1: navigate, well, if that is the case, if you are deficient, now why are you? That's, right. It's like that dominoes effect, so then you keep digging. Could it be because you have some type of gastrointestinal disorder like Crohn's or irritable bowel disease? Mm-hmm. Um, or celiacs I mean there's there's all these different things Mm -hmm. and I feel like these all of these issues don't normally get caught or addressed until it's so far advanced and I feel like we can do better than that
0: you know like let's get on top of our health ahead of time especially with technology that we have yes you know (laughs) what I mean like we do have it there's no reason why a doctor can't ask a few more questions yeah. or do a few more tests to really uh, accommodate and listen to their patient, Yeah, you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, and there there's a lot about, even in my book too, I think I have a, a section on how to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. um, because it's so important, like that's another thing I do a lot too, like I help out with friends how to do that because a lot of people, they get sick for the first time. I'm like this, I'm a pro at this. I've been doing this my whole life. So other people, they'll get sick and then they're like, oh yeah, they just, they said everything's fine. And I'm like, I know you, I see you all the time. You're dealing with this. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. And like I'll I'll try to advise them or like what to say to their doctor or how to talk to their doctor or what to do.
0: And that's super important cuz that makes their voice way more valid right. cuz when a doctor just pushes you off like oh no you're fine. Mm-hmm. You you think you're crazy. Medical gaslighting. That's the yeah. word for that. Wow. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and fill you on top of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And honestly like I, I again with my clients doing hair a lot of people will talk to me about these sort of things so over the last 10 years like i've seen with my clients and my friends taking years to get diagnosis like years because they'll go in and they're fine they come back and like i'll see the process in the long run how it's taken years just to get this simple diagnosis like that contributes to that one in 20 misdiagnosed um that contributes to like just so much and getting to the point where now people develop like autoimmune disorders or have all these other things going on. So it's just, it's really no need. And, and so I think advocating for yourself is so important. And it's not that like all doctors are bad or anything, but our healthcare system just is broken. (laughs) And we do have some great physicians and healthcare workers. And I mean, I can't even imagine dealing with everything they deal with in a pandemic. You know, oh. so definitely props to them. I want to make sure I put that out there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being a patient is difficult, too. And um, it's just important on both sides to have that
0: transparency and that good relationship. Right. And I'm, I'm glad we have an advocate like you to push this forward because I know someone's going to hear this yeah. and be like, it starts with me, too. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like... I have one more question or two, um, who or what has influenced your artistic journey? Ooh, my artistic
1: journey, um,
0: I feel like I've always been artistic,
1: um, I almost want to say genetics, <laughs> yeah. because um, my brother's really artistic, my kids are artistic, um, even my grandmother, like she was 96 when she passed away, but like I remember talking to her, she was like I was, we were really close, and I talked to her a lot, and I I have a recording of her actually where she um, was telling me how she won an art contest, like she had like went with her horse or something I don't know, it's like this cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was artistic, and my other grandmother actually did hair as well. Um, I don't know I think it was just like a a thing in the family but like for me being creative just has always been an outlet and like you know like I said before I have grown up with a lot of trauma I've dealt with a lot of trauma that's a really great way to express yourself like I love it's therapeutic to me I love getting lost in music and just like you know letting your mind just go and flow and whether it's doing photography or drawing or writing like to me that's just so therapeutic and i I love it so even if like someone's listening and they don't feel like they're creative or artistic like hush you are (laughs) just do it it doesn't have to be good because honestly like what you think is good doesn't necessarily mean that's or not good you know doesn't mean that's going to be the same opinion as somebody else like right. you know people are going to create things and there's always going to be something that's going to be
0: well received to somebody else that's that's a fact yeah um and then lastly i would love if you wanted to share a piece uh from your book like a poem or okay. yeah. <laughs> Um, I figured
1: I, I could do some poems. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, so one of, this poem is called Invisible Illness, and I wrote it because, um, it's just a short and sweet way to explain what it feels like to be dismissed. And having, like, an invisible illness... Because it's invisible, this is where that medical gaslighting comes in, or even like toxic positivity, where people are like, Oh, you're young and healthy, you look great. Like, you know. I mean, if you look at me, you probably wouldn't know I have chronic pain every day or I have to have open heart surgery. So like it's something I've dealt with my whole life is like being dismissed or being told like, oh you look fine, you must feel fine. So this was inspired by that. A world gone blind, it's all in your mind. There isn't a sign, you must be fine. What I cannot see, must not be. You're not dying, so you must be lying. Short and sweet. (laughs) And then, um, I don't know. Okay, this one is kind of dark. I was talking to you earlier today in the shop about how some of my writing can be a little dark and heavy, but it's just so this is how I express myself. So. Let's go dark. Let's yes. do it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um. It's called Glass Lamp, and this was actually a while ago. It was a prompt in one of my classes at school. Um, we had to write a poem basically about an inanimate object. So I wrote about the lamp. <laughs> okay. So I challenge you if you're listening, that's your homework.
0: Okay, I got (laughs) homework.
1: (laughs) Glass lamp. Sometimes she shines bright. Other times she is lost in the dark. When she glows, she lights the way for others, saving people from falling in the dark to see what is in front of them to illuminate life. But in just a moment, she can burn out and be just as lost in the dark as others. When the sun shines through the windows, she feels useless. As she collects dust over the next few weeks, she feels neglected and unappreciated. Sometimes she is unplugged while other things get more use. And just like that, one wrong move, and she falls to the floor and (laughs) shatters. So, like, that was my way of feeling like how sometimes it can feel to you know i I don't know like as a caretaker or a woman or a mother like not that i always feel this way but like i feel like some people can relate because it's you know or even as a friend like you when you're always like giving or doing something and you know kind of just feeling like unappreciated or like i don't know I don't know, see, I can't even explain it, but I can write it in a, this way, and that's how I can
0: express it. <laughs> the line that hit me the most was the the dust that oh, you collect. Yeah. It's like, sometimes, like, you could be in a space where your you're light, you feel like you don't shine yeah. bright enough, so you're just collecting dust.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, see, I love how other people interpret it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that was powerful. If anyone and can't handle that, then I do <laughs> get wrong podcast. Just kidding. I have a chapter on love and
1: um there's oh Another fun thing, I don't know if a lot of people know this about my book, but each chapter has a little bit of some lyrics, Mm -hmm. so technically I have like a soundtrack. (laughs) Nice. Because I love music. Music's always been another part of like a healing thing for me, and I relate a lot of music to certain parts of my life, like certain moments or... It's like a time capsule. Like certain songs, like got me through things, Mm -hmm. or like I just like would listen to on repeat Mm -hmm. while I went through this thing, and um, so it's very nostalgic to me and also something that's pretty healing.
0: What's uh? I don't want to say your favorite, but like, what's your? Yeah, like what chapter is your favorite? That's hard. Yeah. Well,
1: I want to say, sometimes I think Daddy's Girl, just because, you know, I had recently lost my dad, and that that was a huge part of my life, um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of healing, and um, I would like
0: to read you a poem from that oh, yeah. chapter, too. Um, Daddy's so, Girl by the Dixie Chicks?
1: Huh? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Is that the one, or... No, the well, That's the chapter's chapter. called Daddy's Girl, and oh, okay. then the song is, um, the song I chose for that was White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. One pill makes you larger, one pill makes you small, and the other ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Alice when she's 10 feet tall. Oh, wow. That was um, one of my dad's favorite songs, and when he was in the hospital, before he passed, uh, I, when I walked in... He was excited to see us there, and like, surprised to see us there because he was in in Missouri. And I instantly put that song on, and he just started singing it. So so beautiful. I think the reason I like this chapter the most, if I had to pick, would be because it was just, I think, the most healing and learning I did in Mm -hmm. all of this, in all of my life. Um, My dad died from cirrhosis of the liver. He was an alcoholic. And, um, you know, he had moments of being, you know, sober and amazing, and he had moments of being um, abusive and drunk. (laughs) So um, it was just really hard growing up, and it did definitely contribute to a lot of trauma in my life, but um, it was, you know, I was able to repair the relationship towards the end. And it was just really heartbreaking to watch him you know go through that and be there at the end Mm -hmm. he was only 63 so um it was just a really difficult thing that I'm even still now still healing from because it hasn't really been that long Um, but this poem is called Sunday's Best which was also a prompt in that class (laughs) this was just like a it was just like one of your regular prerequisites like you know for the my AA class like an English writing class of some sort and maybe it was like calm 2 I don't know um, but I wrote this like right when he right after he passed away it was that class that I had to leave and out of town and I had to do stuff on spring break while yeah, I was while going right. to Missouri getting his ashes and, and so, so here's you here you go <laughs> yeah um, alright buckle up okay. Sunday's best Maple syrup on the dining room table adheres to my skin, reminding me of Sunday's breakfast. The sun was pouring through the window, illuminating the dust in the air as it slowly floats. My dad was big and tall like a lumberjack. He flipped pancakes while singing along to Led Zeppelin. His smile was as warm as the butter melting on the plate he made for us. This glimpse was like a family portrait on the wall. It's Sunday's best, like what you see during church service. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those days were not the same. Those days were darker and they were not mundane. His smile faded as he wiped the liquor off his mustache, swaying as his eyes showed someone else's soul. Our bellies were not full from a happy family dinner, but a deep aching pit of fear my legs would shake and my heart would race wondering how the night would end. Who would get hurt? I would hide in my closet, picking glitter and Barbie shoes out of the corner as I heard screaming. Something would break. After the night became quiet and we all slept till morning, we would wake up to Sunday's best version of him. He remembered nothing as he kissed my forehead and went to work. I always remembered everything he didn't. In the end, it was my turn to kiss his forehead, and for the last time. His skin was cold and yellow, and just before he took his last breath, I told him I would only remember Sunday's best. Wow. <sighs> I almost cried, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That one always is still hard to read. <clears throat> yeah.
0: That was beautiful Thank you. like all I mean not was it is and it still like mm-hmm. is sending chills down my spine yeah it was hard I that was a really
1: if I had to encapsulate you know my childhood and towards the end um that would be it mm-hmm. so you know and that was what happened at the end I he was really scared and You know, he was so sick, he didn't have the words to express that, but I could see it and feel it, and um, he didn't want to let go, and he was fighting and struggling, and um, the nurse said, she was like, sometimes they just need to hear that you're going to be okay. And that's what I did. I said, I love you, and I'm I'm only going to remember the good things and I forgave him for all of that, and he needed to hear that so he could pass peacefully, and I truly do forgive him. Um, Because again, I don't look at it as, he's this horrible monster like I used to. I look at him as, those are his circumstances, and he doesn't have the toolkit that some of us have today. Mm -hmm. You know, times have changed, and let's hope they continue to change, and let's all hope we can grow together and do our best to make these changes and find the tools and the healthy coping skills to
0: be better people and to heal our traumas. (laughs) Yes. Wow, one poem at a time. If that's (laughs) what it takes. Yeah. Great. Wow. Um, Thank you so much, Miss D. No, like, you're amazing everyone listening you can get garden of blue on amazon um you can follow wilding apothecary you can follow misty on instagram um do you want to plug anything else i know you have like two other um well i do have um so my website's misty
1: blue dream.com and it's misty m-i-s-t-i and then b-l-u dream.com that's like where my shop is in my blog okay. and then I have blue dream health which is blue with no e that's my middle name so blue dream health.com and that is my nonprofit. it will officially be launching on the first because that's when I'm gonna file I didn't want to file right at the end of the year because then I have to file again and <laughs> like it right. got like right away so um That'll be official January 1st, and it is um, the nonprofit is to help raise awareness on mental health issues. It ties in a lot of chronic illness community as well. Um, we're doing local meetups once a month. I'm going to add virtual meetups as well. Um, we want to hopefully get people the uh, mental health care that they need and help fund that, and also help with like scholarships and grants for people with mental health issues and chronic illness that you know struggle with with that <laughs> so uh, that's the goal with Blue Dream Health and um, I'm really excited to see where that goes so who knows me like I said I will see where everything goes <laughs> all right yeah
0: that's amazing I'm excited for the launch uh, of uh, Blue Dream Health yeah, yeah. we we need mental health needs to
1: be addressed like before it's critical or too late and you know we are living in a pandemic and um again with the research i've done for my undergrad like the statistics are there that violence domestic violence suicide all of those go up during pandemics um i mean this isn't the first pandemic we ever had like this is there's you know we have history and we can see the data now, and we don't have the mental health resources that we need or should have. So, um, hope again, I'll do it my damn self. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully that'll all... It's going to you know. spark a flame.
0: Yeah, yeah I you hope know. So. Yeah. so.
1: That's the goal. We want to we wanna give community, education, and accessibility. Mm-hmm
0: well thank you again for spending time on catnip podcast yes. it's been so awesome uh just talking with you learning more about your story i'm excited to dive into this book for real and highlight and just Aww. you know just dive deep i love that um but yeah this won't be the last time you hear from misty blue, blue. <laughs> yes thank you so much yeah. thank you